And thank you for joining us again on Lily High on Life. And once again, we have a fabulous guest this week, Eva Cherney Herskin, an Australian artist who's made her name overseas as well and wandered and is back visiting with us for today. Eva, thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me, uh, Lily. It just, I don't want to correct you, but it's Charney Herskin. I apologize, Charney Herskin. Yep. And when I tell people how to find your art, it's going to get even more complicated. It is. Your parents were from Hungary and Cherney is spelt the Hungarian way and you've added a married name so if people want to actually see your art they need to go to evacharneyherskin.com but it's spelt e-v-a but then c s s a n a n y i y i no hyphen H-U-R-S-K-I-N dot com. So, um, well done, <laughs> Eva. <laughs> now, you were incentivized with this art of yours by being given a, not just a 12, 24 or 36, but a 72 pack Derwent color pencil set when you were young. Tell us about how people found out that you um, really had this artistic talent. Well, I tell this story to all my friends, so sorry if I bore you with this, but um, I scribbled on my parents' bedroom wall when I was about three, two, I'm not sure. Instead of being punished, I was handed a box of Derwents. So (laughs) a big, big, big box of Derwents. I guess they saw something in me and yeah, they were very encouraging. And I've been drawing and scribbling and uh, ever since. And the really fabulous, fascinating thing about your work, um, you uh, use pencils in a style that looks like photographs, but it's actually pencil work and that's called I don't photograph oh photo real or hyper real photo realistic or hyper realistic yeah. art and it really is very difficult to tell the difference between your artwork and a photograph well thank you yes that's that's my aim i tried photography i wasn't any good at it i thought it it needed a bit of a cleanup so i thought i'd draw what i couldn't photograph and now I actually include those photographic mistakes in my actual work to make them look photoreal. And, of course, photos have changed over the years and decades. So what is photoreal exactly? Today it's yeah. quite different. Yes. Um, and a lot of your work uh, is just as detailed as a photo. The the streets, the um the the fields the the people uh, the expressions everything is so realistic and lifelike tell me a little bit bit about the process for you as you're doing something that complex and that detailed uh, well Lily I take my own uh, photo references and um, I work from those I pretty much just take it to the next level. So the photographs themselves would probably be considered art, but I do take it that next step further. I like to push myself and challenge whatever I'm doing. Um, So, yeah, I I take a close-up. I look at the uh, uh, things that are overlooked, the, the sort of 
scruffy guy sitting on the bench on the street corner or uh, whatever it is that people generally overlook, I take it to a next level and I like to think that I make them beautiful. I make you notice them because you're looking at the detail in the artwork. You're actually looking at the person in the artwork as well and all the things that you wouldn't bother looking at if you were walking down that street. And I think that's what I do. So when you started, that's the way you started drawing in that lifelike way when you were how old? I know, not really. From, from a very young age, I pretty much just did whatever came naturally. So just splashing paint on, on surfaces, just the textile feeling of uh, just playing with the ca- uh, the paints and the, um, the materials and the colours. I can't actually remember when I really decided to go photo real, but it was a challenge. So uh, did you, like, do you, were you encouraged with your art as being a way to make a living and to develop or were you also were you doing it part time or as a hobby? Oh, it was always something that was encouraged from my parents to uh, everybody at school and all the teachers, my peers, and now my children um, are always encouraging me. So uh, I don't care whether I make a living out of it or not. I'll do it anyway. And that's the true artist Mm. in you. Did you have shows or exhibitions before you started wandering the world? Uh, I've wandered the world uh, many times. So, yes, I did have shows. Uh, I think the first one I can recall was uh, with Protea Flora. They, um, they had an exhibition. It was a, a floral, a florist or a floral garden. They had a show every year. And I did my bird drawings then. Um, I progressed on to different things. I, I remember... I asked uh, an art teacher once, you know, what what should I choose? I don't know which genre to choose or what to paint. And they said, stick a genre and stick to it. Um, and I said, no. <laughs> so <laughs> Just I, as well you asked. <laughs> thank you. But I, I don't see the benefit of repeating the same thing over and over again for years on end. If I already know how to do something, or I think I know anyway, I'm satisfied enough to move on to something new and challenging and discovering new materials. And uh, So was it so something well. something that came from within and something that you were drawn to or the fact that you were getting um, rewarded and accolades for what you were doing? What kept you going with the art and what, what continues to keep you going with the art? Is it something that you feel that you need to do? or something that you're encouraged to do? That's a great question, a great point as well, because I was thinking of that earlier today, and I don't do it for the accolades. Pardon me. Um, I don't care about validation or accolades or even the money. I would do it anyway. And uh, it is something that I just, I'm compelled to do it. There's... um, there's nothing else that drives me as much as just putting materials on on surfaces. Don't ask me what it is. It's just scratches on a surface. But to me, it's the world, and I can't I can't live without it. And now you've been recognised for this work, not just in Australia, but in different parts of the world, the United States, also in England. Yes. Also, tell us about some of the places that you've been where your work has 
also been recognised? Well, I've had quite a bit of success in America, which is where I've been living. Uh, I've lived there on and off since, what, 86, I think. Um, And this time around, I went back uh, about eight or nine years ago, and I seemed to be liked there, so I stuck around. Um, I have exhibited in Atlanta. I've got some representation. Uh, It's Mason Fine Art over in Atlanta near Buckhead, Uh, if anybody happens to swing by there um ask for the aussie chick the aussie chick (laughs) yeah the one with a funny accent (laughs) so i exhibited there i was with the uh, atlanta portrait society uh exhibited with the marlene yu and rainforest art foundation over in shreveport louisiana uh, did New York a couple of times, a Selma Gundy Club in Fifth Avenue, no less. Uh, How does that work? You've got your work, you take it in somewhere or you're working, somebody sees it and somebody takes it for you or you look for representation or you try to get into that community as somebody who's entering new communities, which you've done a number of times. Yes. How do you do that? I basically just do my homework and see what's around. Um, I stumbled upon Mason Fine Art in Atlanta. Uh, I think I saw their website or something. I can't even recall, but I just simply called them up and they said, yeah, let's see what you got. And um, they, I think I only had about three drawings. And it was when I started my uh, graphite drawings hadn't done them before i was inspired by a british artist i thought well that looks good how hard can it be and um yeah i showed them a couple of pieces they said we'll take whatever you've got so wow (laughs) you know uh, but it's not always that easy i've knocked on other doors and they've said no thank you so the the rejections come with the successes and acceptance as well, and you, you've just got to keep at it. So wherever, it doesn't matter where you end up, you sort of manage to find the art area and yes. the art expertise and gravitate towards that and become part of that community. Yes, and they either like what you do or, or they're indifferent or they don't like it. A lot of people don't like photorealistic art, um, and that's okay too. You find your niche and... Yeah, follow that up. Have you done other types of art as well as the photorealism? I'm so glad you asked me that (laughs) because I don't want to be known as the photorealist or hyperrealist artist. Um, I do venture into lots of things. I haven't gotten as far as abstract yet. Uh, Doing the uh, the hyperreal work is not my end goal. I don't have an end goal. I just do something for a while get tired of it and then move on to something else and as I said before I like to be challenged um I did do some um I did a series but I didn't do anything with it it was for my own purposes therapeutic purposes uh I did the inner child project which was trying to not unlearn what I've taught myself all these years but trying to get back to the basics of just that tactile feeling just grabbing pastels which I I hadn't used before and seeing where this will take me and it's really really difficult to draw childlike drawings I'm just 
compelled to shade and, you know. So you start with a blank page. You start with the whole gamut of colours and then you sit there and see what you're moved to do? Yes, yeah, something like that. And that is a lot harder than it sounds to just do your thing, just whatever comes to mind, just throw paint on paper and see what happens. And I have to say it's very soothing. Um yeah, it, it's a break from concentrating on fine detail. And I probably will move on when I'm satisfied with what I'm doing now. I'll move on to probably abstract. I'll figure it out. Well, if you've got talent, you've got talent. And it's and sticking to one particular thing is is what will keep you there. But you never know what's going to happen until you actually give other things a go. And that's the fun of it. And, and I have to say that although I'm a photo realist art, I was inspired by, I think he's Scottish, um, Paul Cadden, who I thought was a brilliant artist. Um, and he's round about my age. He, he does graphites. So that's what inspired me. But I also like people like Jean-Michel uh, Basquiat. And my French isn't very good, so I hope I pronounce that correctly. Um, he was an artist back in the 80s in New York. And it's it's very, um, I don't even know what he's called, what kind of art it is that he does, but very sort of simplistic art. And that is, as I said before, really difficult. It's, that's my next challenge. And is there somebody here in Australia that still carries your art or that still um, has some of your art? Or is it mainly in the US and London now? Yeah, well, uh, there are private collectors here. Um that actually went over to the US and <laughs> bought my stuff over there and brought it back. So Very nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have a few private collectors, but uh, there are no galleries at the moment that are representing me because I'm, I'm not here for a long well, time. Well, let me give out your website again because um, we're going to have one of the songs that you nominated that you really <laughs> like. And then your personal private life has been every single bit as interesting and detailed as your art has been. So um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the um, some of the other things in your life. So uh, the website, if people want to see your art, is Eva Charney Herskin, E V A C S. A-N-Y-I-H-U-R-S-K-I-N dot com. Wonderful. Um, so <laughs> getting the hang of it. <laughs> yes, I'm absolutely getting there. And you are an absolutely interesting, fascinating person. They say all artists are a little crazy. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's, let's talk about when you first left Melbourne to travel oh. because you've had a lot of different trips away. Yeah, so you want to talk about my crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little crazy. <laughs> a little crazy. Um, let me think. Gosh, it's been a long life. Um, but when you first went on your yeah. first trip, was that a really big decision to go away? Did you go by yourself? Did you go with friends? I went by myself. Uh, I was getting tired. I'd, I'd been living in Sydney, then Melbourne, and bouncing back and forth, um, working for the airlines. And I just got bored. I'm very easily bored. And I went to Japan. So um, everything was in Japanese, much to my surprise when I got there. <laughs> there were no English translations on any of the boards or signs or anything. 
Um, yeah, so I started off there and then I went over to uh, stay there for about a month and loved it. Absolutely loved the Did people. Did you learn any language? Did you end up with a bit of Japanese? Oh, mushy mushy. <laughs> That's about it. Did you like sushi sushi at the time? I did. I actually met a friend who took me around and we tried all the different uh, foods. I hadn't had sushi before. I don't think it had... Nobody had heard no, of sushi then. Not back in 85, I think it was. And, no. Um, That's where I discovered karaoke and I thought that was just the funniest thing I'd ever seen like singing that's just weird um and of course it's taken off since then but <laughs> and it's a pretty um uh, it's a pretty adventurous place to go for a first trip out of australia yes with no language no friends no well that night at the youth hostel which looked like our hilton hotel by the way <laughs> um I thought, what am I doing? What am I doing here? And I, I was ready to just go back home. I stuck it out, and I'm glad I did. I went over to England and based myself there. I worked at uh, Shell, Shell Oil Company. And pretty much basing myself in London, I went to and from Europe, France, Italy, and... Um, so you saw yeah. Europe from London? Yes. How long were you away? A year at that time. Um, where did I go? Uh, I went to all the all the European countries, and I ended up uh, in Greece picking oranges. <laughs> so, um, and that's where I met Mr. Herskin. <laughs> ah, so the ex-husband the, now. Yeah, he was the future ex-husband to be. <laughs> <laughs> and you met him in Greece picking, picking fruit. Picking fruit. What a great story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went, ended up going back to uh, the US. He was with the US Air Force. Ah. So we went back there and uh, went to Denver, Colorado. It was the first place I ever saw in the States. And uh, then we went to California and lived in the Mojave Desert. And you had two gorgeous kids. Two go- not in the Mojave Desert, but no. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then it ended, as a lot of marriages do and did. Ah, uh, yes. We we ended up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that's where I, I was actually expecting my second son. And um, that was interesting. They didn't have vacancies at the hospital. And Xavier, my second one, was expecting, uh, we were expecting him September. They only had vacancies in June and July. <laughs> and I thought, I'd better come home. That is do this hilarious. Properly. Did they tell you that with a straight face? Absolutely. <laughs> it was ridiculous. So, yeah. It was, was going to, there's no room at the inn. We've got to find somewhere else. Find somewhere else or just have it now. I don't know. I don't <laughs> think so. So, so you've got one of your sons was actually born in Australia. Yes, Xavier was born in Australia. Uh, they both have dual citizenship because, uh, you know, parentage. Yes. So, and Isaac was born in San Bernardino, California. <laughs> and then you were a single mum, but you decided to go wandering with the two boys. When I came back to Australia, yes, I, I became a, a sole parent. Um, yeah, when... The boys were two and a half and four and a half. I am afraid the travel bug bit again and I just had to go. I thought it would be best to get this out of the way before they start school. Just one more trip and we travelled for about six months around the world. Um, We started off in Disneyland and 
zigzagged our way across Europe, uh, spent some time in Austria and Hungary with relatives. What was that like? I mean, being a single mum with two little kids and travelling like that. I would not recommend it. I really <laughs> wouldn't. And I, you know, 20-something years, nearly 30 years later, I shake my head and think, how did I do that? But you just made a decision to do it yeah, and did, I did it. it. And we ended up in uh, Istanbul and eventually in Cairo. Wow. Tell us about Istanbul and Cairo with two little children. Yeah. Well, um, gosh, they they were great. They were really good. Although we did have a few mishaps at the Cairo Museum. Um, Isaac, who was four and a half at the time, very rambunctious, out of control kid. (laughs) Sorry, Isaac. (laughs) Um, He knocked over the postcard stand and it was glass. So that had shattered. And I was almost in tears. Uh, he didn't get into trouble. Um, it was an accident. It was an, he was little, but then he ran off uh, underground somewhere and we chased after him. And there was some sort of sign that said, you know, we weren't allowed in there. I can't remember what it said, but we knew that it was off limits for, for uh, tourists. And uh, he ran into this huge warehouse and it was full of mummies, thousands and thousands of them stacked on top of each other. And we just, all three of us just stood there in in disbelief. (laughs) And he behaved himself after that. What a fabulous thing to see, but what a brave thing to do. Um, When you say you just felt you wanted to do it and get it out of your system, Mm. uh, were there other things going on that you needed to get out of Australia or you Mm. just had that wanderlust? Wanderlust, yeah. And were you still painting at that time like as you were having your kids and living in different places were you still continuing to do your art or did you stop for a while? I stopped for a few years and when the kids were in primary school um, I took up my bird drawings again Um, yeah I I went to um, Monash Mm -hmm. and did an art degree Oh, good girl. Um, Thank you. (laughs) And uh, there is life after an art degree, apparently, (laughs) because then I got a job at a bank. Um, And uh, you got a job in a bank. Yes. Gosh. (laughs) Um, Did the kids show any propensity in art? Yes. They're both very creative, uh, very artistic, although Xavier, my younger one, is not very interested. Uh, in pursuing art, he's he's the pilot, and he's very sort of hands-on, practical oh, type of guy. Okay, we'll go um, into him in a little bit. But Eva Charney Herskin, Eva, another soulful, soulful song. Yes, I, I guess I've always been drawn a little bit to the melancholy. I. I never really thought of it that way, but... No, because in talking to you, you're hilarious. Oh, thanks. <laughs> That's what my kids say. <laughs> and um, it's a nice way to be. You have a wonderful, positive type of personality. Oh, thank you. So, Eva, what has kept you living in the United States rather than coming back to Australia? We'll talk about your mum, who you still have with you in a minute. Right. But what's actually kept you over in the States? Well, I went over there, as I said, in 86, and I've been going back and forth over the last 30 or so years. I love it there. Um, I think that there were opportunities for my children as well that were not available in Australia. So 
Yeah, that's basically it, just the opportunities. And and even uh, with my art, I think there is a more diverse community, art community over there, more people, a bigger population for a start. There's at least, what, 20 times the population? Mm, yes. So you're bound to fit in somewhere yes <laughs> and um i've uh, i must confess i've never told anyone but i've always felt a little bit like fish out of water in australia i don't know why is it a feeling that you're not as accepted if you are if you do things a little differently perhaps possibly i'm i'm a complete nonconformist uh i'm undisciplined and Defiant. So maybe maybe places like New York. I always say are my kind of crazy. Uh, that's why I like it. You can Who be knows? whoever you can be whoever you want. Right. And yeah, yeah. When I lived in LA for twenty six years, and it was that feeling of everything and anything is possible over there. Whereas here, it's like you're looked at sideways, and it exactly. takes a little longer to become nonconformist here than it does over there. You eventually make it, but absolutely, I agree. What differences do you find in people and attitudes? People that you've gotten to know well, and are friends over there, and people that are friends that you've had. Because you have got a lot of friends here from from when you were growing up as well. Yes, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> we chatted. Oh, you, che- you, yeah, you checked on me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I mean, the friends here have been great. Uh, I've had a very warm reception in the last couple of weeks when they found out that I was here. Um, yeah, they were very warm and very friendly and they're great people. Um over in America, uh, I've been to different places. I've lived in various places, and I found Americans very receptive, uh, non-judgmental. Um, I'm not saying that people are judgmental here, but I just found oh, it they so are. easy. Are they? Yeah, they are. And I don't say that uh, because what I've come to realize is that people are who they are. And it's not even it's not even a judgment to say they're judgmental. And it's not even a negative thing. It's just you know that's the way people are. And you need to develop a strength within yourself to be who you are, regardless of who it is that you're interacting with. Maybe that's what it is. Over there in America, I can just be me and it's okay. I think that's what it might be. And it is diverse, and I do like that diversity. I don't judge. And um, having said that, I know that I'm in a place over there where there are people that are even crazier than me. So, (laughs) you know, I'm somewhere in that spectrum. (laughs) All good. Now, of course, family is the one thing that has also kept bringing you back to uh, to Melbourne yes. and your mother's getting a, a little elderly and and you're that's why you're here now you're you're making some decisions um, about your mother and a lot of people are in that position now yes yes I, I found that Lily um, it came as a surprise when I received a, a call from um, somebody here in Melbourne saying that my mother's not doing very well. Now, my mother, two, two, three years ago, was cutting her own grass and doing her own gardening, and uh, she was perfectly capable of driving herself up to the shop. So I just uh, never imagined that this once very lively, active businesswoman 
uh, she ran her own business uh, back in the day. I just couldn't imagine that she was vulnerable and um, not doing so well. And uh, they insisted that she was living on her own. She didn't want to come with us to America. We didn't want to stay here. And she actually wanted her independence. Um, I was prompted to get on the next flight when I found out that she really wasn't doing well and came over and was quite blown away, actually. I, I didn't know what to make of what it. What were some of those decisions you had to make all of a sudden that this was, you realised this was a reality for you? I had to come over here and be with her and see what needed to be done. Um, she has been diagnosed as having Alzheimer's. I didn't know anything about that. I hadn't cared for the elderly before, so this was brand new to me. My brother is no longer around, so I'm doing this on my own. Um, Sole decision maker it's, with it's kids hard. in the States and a mother here. Yeah. So you're so. still making those decisions. You haven't decided where you're going with that yet or what it's uh, going to be. I'll, I'll do what I think is best for mum. And every time I ask her, she says something different. So I have to kind of decipher how she feels or what she means. And that's very difficult. Um, it's still hard for me at my age. My mother's 84. So she's my mum. She's always told me what to do. And it's just a really odd situation where I'm taking charge of her now. It's just something that I'm not used to. So... How do you find it? How do you how do you find making those decisions? Because a lot of people are having to do that now, almost flip roles. Yes. Um, and you've brought up two boys on your own, and with your brother away, you're now on your own dealing with your mother. Um, when you say you're going to do what's going to be best for your mother, it is a scary place to be. It is. It is for me or for her. For, <laughs> well, for you and her, and yes. also for me because I'm in a similar position. Also, when my mother's getting older, she's still got all her faculties, thank God. But there are decisions that she's told me. You know, I don't want to be on life support. And like, are you kidding me? I would never take you off life support. Exactly. You're not allowed to leave me on life support. You know, that sort of thing. Um, and it really is just a different world that you get into. It is. I honestly thought that once I raise my boys, they grow up. That's it. I can retire. Um, I'm in the third trimester of my life. So I'm looking for my forever home where I can sit down by a bay window, look at my garden outside and just paint. And that's not happening. So now I've got a new job to do. And... I have to take it very seriously. This is mine. But it will happen. And yeah. your boys are both grown and pretty independent now? Yes, they are. I've got uh, Isaac, who lives in New York, works for the UN. He's a Columbia graduate, uh, doing very well. Xavier lived in New York, but moved down, uh, gave up his apartment, moved down to Trenton, New Jersey, uh, which is where I have my home uh, to take care of the house while I'm gone. So, and that's Xavier. He's a pilot Very for Delta nice. Connections. So, so they're independent. Uh, independent. They've got you've got a grandchild too. I do, I do, and uh, grandbaby and um, Xavier's girlfriend. That's my youngest son. His girlfriend uh, is French, 
she finished college over in France and she just came over a couple of days ago with little baby baby boy we call him gorgeous he's a year and a half came and over adorable. to the states not to Australia. Oh, sorry either. to the states yes <laughs> so i'm really really in a hurry to get back there and uh, i told mum about it yesterday when i saw she's excited but then and the interesting thing for me also was that you're thinking of taking her to the states i'm thinking of it that's we've sat down with the family to try to decide what's the best option um she's also uh got hip and knee problems so she's wheel bit she's not wheelchair bound but she can't get around in the mm. outside world on her own um so that's going to be more of a challenge for me i think yes she just has to sit back and relax while i push her around <laughs> the airports but then it really is it's actually easier to get full-time help because there's a lot more full-time help available in the States than there is here. Yes. And at a much, much lower cost. I think here it's $25 an hour or something minimum, whereas mm. in the States you can have people living in for a lot less than that and so provide home care also. So That's what we were considering. But also remember you get what you pay for. So you really um, have to – I'm going to have to do a lot of interviewing and yes, look yes, for the yes. right person. Eva, it has been absolutely delightful chatting to you about all of these um, these issues, your art, which I hope people go to your website to have a look at, but also all the travelling you've done the choices you've made in your life that has, have continued to make your life interesting, which is what Lily High on Life is all about, not just taking the safe route and um, and and finding things in your life that, that really make you happy. And even this uh, time now where you're dealing with your mother and, and how to cope with all of that has just been great to talk to you about because so many of us are in that very same position right now as well so it's just good to have other people who are also uh, going through that same sort of thing you're a perfect guest for lily high on life and thank you so much for 